Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this new study in the Word, and in fact, the new series is called The Word. Sean teaches the secrets on how to hear what God has to say through His Word, but it requires us to listen. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. But how do you know if what you read is true? Ah, you picked a great day to listen. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. Just go to reachingforreallife.org. There's a place to give right there. Very easy. The message today, though, is called To Tell the Truth in this series called The Word. Sean starts off in 2 Peter chapter 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The Word is such a powerful part of our Christian life. And we began, remember, in Matthew chapter 4. Looked at the temptation of Jesus. And Jesus made a statement in that encounter about the Word. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we saw the Word is not just a source of learning, but the source of life. The Word is a source of life. There's something in what God is speaking to us, what he says. And we saw that this scripture of ours is God's holy word. He spoke this. He inspired this. We, we, we talk about it being God-breathed. And so there is something life-giving. It's not just a book to be studied, not just something to be memorized, but it is vibrant. It is alive because of who it comes from. Then last week, we looked at the parable of the sower and the soils. And we saw that whole parable was about hearing. Because a lot of people go, they, they study the word of God, and they go, man, I, I read it, and it's like, it's all Greek to me. They, you know, they wasted time translating it, because I'm not getting anything. I can't hear anything. And the idea of hearing is a challenge and problematic. And they go, boy, I wish I could hear the Lord speak as I read the word. Well, Jesus, in the parable of the soils, gave us a secret. We saw that the secret to hearing the word is preparing the soil. The secret to hearing the word is preparing the soil, and I just want to encourage you, if you have struggled with hearing the word of God, I encourage you to go back, check out last week's message as we unpack what Jesus taught us in the book of Matthew about the soils and how there is something connected. He said, whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear, hear what God has to say. Now, I know a lot of people go, well, man, what I want to do is I want to hear God speak directly to me. I hear people talking about God said this, God said that. I want to hear God speak. And, and let me just say, we love the idea of subjective impressions or direction or revelation versus what God has already spoken or given. And I understand that. I love when God gives me a subjective word. What I mean by that is something for me. I feel like he's dealing with an issue or I'm praying about something, Lord, I need your guidance. And I feel like something happens and it's like God's saying, I want you to take that direction. And, and I feel great about those. I love those kind of encounters. I love those things. But I'll tell you what, until I walk those out and I see the fruit, I wonder if they're really a true and accurate word from the Lord. Do you know Why? Because I am not infallible in my ability to hear God's voice through prayer, through listening. I have grown a lot in that. That's a thing that I think we grow in our whole Christian lives. But I am not infallible in that. It's like I have no doubt about God's ability to speak. I have no doubt about God's ability to do exactly what he said. I rightly question 
sometimes my accuracy in hearing him. In regards to what we're going to talk about today, what's interesting is when he speaks through the scripture, I never wonder. That's the beauty of the word of God. I don't wonder, wait, is that the word of the Lord? Well, God, are you really saying that? When God speaks through his scripture, I don't have to wonder. And today I'm going to tell you why. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter is writing to people who he refers to as people who are exiles. Sojourners are strangers because they live in a place and they live among people who aren't believers. They live among people who... Um, don't share their beliefs, and they've experienced, they're experiencing real persecution. When we talk about being under persecution in our cultural context, not like this, not like this. It kind of gives us a sense of proportion and alignment when we actually look and see what people throughout the ages have had to experience. And so he's talking to them in Second Peter chapter 1, he's talking to them about spiritual growth and maturity. Look at what he says, beginning at verse 3 is where we're going to read. He says, his divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us, his followers, all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you, might, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. He says, there are these precious and great promises that you've received, and he's helping them understand how to grow. And he then goes into some very specific things and talks about these steps of maturity and growth. You can read those kind of on your own time for time's sake this morning. I want to skip to verse 12 because I want to get to how he says he's going to do that. How is this going to happen? In verse 12, he says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. If you're, you have a copy of Scripture there, or maybe you're following along on the app, uh, underline that phrase, in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of a reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now listen to what he says, verse 16. He says, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic God, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with them on the holy mountain. He's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember? When they went up with Jesus, they're on the mountain. Jesus all of a sudden begins to glow and change in his appearance. He's glorified is the word that Peter uses. He's glorified. He's joined by Moses and Elijah, and they're there on this mountain. Remember, Peter gets all nervous and kind of goes, Lord, it's great that we're here. We should build a tabernacle. For one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And a voice from heaven literally interrupts Peter and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this next part Peter left out. <laughs> Peter didn't tell us about this, but if you read the gospel, it was there. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, shut up, Peter. I love your heart. You know, I, I believe God understood and he loved Peter's heart. But it's like, right now, Peter, just be in his presence and see what I want you to see of who he is. Listen to him. 
But what Peter's telling these guys is, I'm not telling you something I read about somewhere or something a friend of a friend whose cousin was there told me about. I'm telling you what I saw. And then he goes on to say, in other words, it's almost always saying, and not only that, he says, verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as to, as, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, listen, that no prophecy of Scripture. So he's not just talking about some random prophetic word or something. He's talking about Scripture. He's saying, not only do we have my eyewitness testimony, but we have the Scripture. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about the Scriptures, the prophecies, the words of Scripture. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I like how he says in verse 16, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's interesting. Because a lot of people have tried to, in recent years and centuries even, tried to kind of declare that, well, the, the Bible's important, it's good, but a lot of these things are myths. And what's interesting is Peter's saying that's not true at all. And, and whenever the word myth is used in Scripture, it, it refers to something that's just not true. When liberal theologians, which there's a whole kind of critical branch of theology, they even call it, try to call it higher criticism, they've tried to place much of the Scripture, much of these stories and these accounts in the category of myth. And by that, they're not necessarily saying it's false, just not historically accurate or necessarily true. Sounds like false to me. But it's their point, not mine. They believe that the lessons might be true and helpful, but the words are not necessarily historically accurate. And they give examples, you know, the Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea. Well, did that crossing of the Red Sea really happen like that? Did the plagues really happen like that? I mean, crossing of the Red Sea, really the... the the entire Red Sea parted and they went through on dry ground. Maybe the lesson is really just that God is powerful and he can overcome any obstacle. Maybe that's what all we're supposed to understand. Not, not that this really happened. Or what about the virgin birth, please? I mean, come on. And, and they'll literally say this. They'll say the virgin birth isn't really that important. The real point, remember when Mary asked, how can this be? I haven't been with a man. How can, how can this happen? And She's told, you know, there are things that are impossible that nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible for God. And what I find fascinating is they'll say, you know, the important thing is that we know nothing is impossible for God. Then why don't you believe in the virgin birth? If nothing's impossible for God, accept that. I mean, really, it, it seems illogical to me. How about the resurrection? There are people who say, well, the resurrection. I mean, that was a spiritual resurrection, a spiritual life, not actually physically. Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, he said, his first letter to the Corinthians, he said, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then we above all people are to be pitied. And Peter is offering in his letter here, he's offering two proofs. First is eyewitness testimony. These are, let's think about this. These are two proofs that you would hear in court regularly. The first is eyewitness testimony. He's saying, we saw it. 
We saw these things with Jesus. We saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw him glorified. And what's funny, Paul did the same thing in 1 Corinthians. He said, Jesus raised from the dead and over five, he appeared to over 500 people. And by the time he's writing this, many, most of those are still alive. It's like, if this weren't true, there would have been ample opportunity for lots of people to say, uh, foul, not true. I'm calling bull on the whole resurrection thing. But they couldn't produce a body. And there were lots of witnesses who go, no, I actually saw him. Yeah, I saw him. And that would have been easy to disprove. This is where we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called To Tell the Truth. It's in the series called The Word, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message to tell the truth. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. So eyewitness testimony. Peter was saying, we saw this. We experienced it. It's real. I'm not telling you something I heard. I'm telling you what I saw. And the second thing is authoritative documents. Peter said, said you, you have the prophetic word of Scripture. And he says, None of, no Scripture is just the, up to the interpretation of the individual. The men wrote these things down as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It was the words that the Spirit gave them as he carried them along in this process. He says, you have to understand, I'm giving you eyewitness testimony. We saw it, we heard it, and I want you to know you have had authoritative documents. And that's just like any court. This is what we provide for evidence. But remember what I told you, make note of in verse 12. Remember, he said, though I intend always, therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established, listen, and are established in the truth that you have. You are established in the truth that you have. And again, he, then he brings up the eyewitness testimony and these authoritative documents. And see, I think our problem sometimes is just our problem with truth. We have a problem with truth. The reason sometimes people struggle with the Word of God and what's its role really and how should I approach it is because we fundamentally have a problem with truth. The uh, RAND organization put out a work called Truth Decay. Truth Decay, an initial exploration of the diminishing role of fact and analysis in American public life. They say there are four trends that characterize truth decay in our culture. 
The first is increasing disagreement about facts and analytical interpretation of facts and data. I'm not talking about opinions or the conclusions we draw from the facts and data. No, even the facts and the data. Second is a blurring of of the line between opinion and fact. Have we experienced any of that recently? How about an increase, the increasing relative volume and resulting influence of opinion and personal experience over fact? And then number four, which is so significant, declining trust in formally respected sources of fact. The writers, the authors, Jennifer Cavanaugh and Michael D. Rich, point out that most of these trends are not unprecedented in American history, but today's level of disagreement over objective facts is a new phenomenon. So how do we get here? They saw four primary drivers of the truth decay that we're experiencing. The first is cognitive bias. In other words, it just, I come into things with a bias, and I look for things to kind of validate my bias rather than actually wanting to discover the truth. Second one, this is huge, the rise of social media and other changes to the information environment. This is so big, it's so true. One of the problems in American culture that we're all feeling, we're all going, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? We as a democracy, our, our First Amendment provides freedom of a few things. One of them is freedom of religion, freedom of speech. We understand that. One of them is freedom of the press. Do you understand how important that is? The press is a constitutionally protected function in our culture, in our society. It's necessary. The idea is so that we can all know if we're going to have a democracy, we're all going to weigh in, we're going to choose leaders, we're going to maybe have referendums on things, whatever, we would know a basic understanding of the facts. So a free and objective press is critical. Our press is a problem. It's a huge problem. Has been for decades, but it's been growing. See, Years ago, while you would go, well, I don't agree with all their conclusions, you knew the difference between this is a reporter, and he's reporting the facts, and this is a commentator who's commenting, telling us his opinions or her opinions on those facts. We would know the difference. That has ceased. And now our news sources have literally divided to where they will not present to you, and this has been going on for 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 kind of increasingly over the last number of decades, they literally will only present you the facts that support a particular political or social or moral point of view. And the other facts will be left out. And this can be done on both sides of the aisle as far as media. The problem is what we do then is we choose the media that most fits our paradigm or our view of reality. And the danger, and this is so dangerous, listen, What happens when we do this, which we've all done it, okay? Most of us. I hope you take, I hope you hold your nose and read the media that you disagree with, as well as the media you agree with. But a lot of people don't. Most don't, because it's so frustrating, so annoying. So what happens is we've got a whole group of people who are kind of raising up and we're polarizing because we're getting totally different sets of facts, nobody's getting all the facts. And what that means is I never get to hear the viewpoint of people who disagree with me. And that's critical. To have a meaningful society, 
you have to be able to sit down and hear from the people who disagree with you. Because otherwise, nobody can influence anybody. Nobody can grow. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to agree with them, but I go understand, oh, that's why you believe that. Okay, I get it. Okay, we, we have a fundamental paradigm difference here. We have a worldview difference here. Oh, we just have a confusion of terms over here. And you understand someone else. We don't have that. And so we have this stark polarization that's happening, and it's killing us. And social media is just a lot, wow, man, with very little cost, I can pick and choose my sources. And it's a very dangerous place that we've come to. And what it means is we can't agree on fundamental, objective truth. Here's the thing. My even saying that reveals something about me that a lot of people would find distasteful. The fact that I even think a thing like fundamental, objective truth exists Oh, that pegs me. Ah, you're one of those. Okay, I see. You'll, don't worry, you'll grow, you'll learn. That truth doesn't really exist. See, here's the problem. That means you don't know what the word truth means. Because here's the thing. Truth exists regardless of our opinions. I've told you this hundreds of times. I'll tell you again. Truth exists regardless of our opinions. My opinion doesn't change the truth of the matter one bit. Do you understand that? It might change my response to it. It might change the way I I think about it. It might change, change how I talk about it. It does not change the truth of the matter. Some things are just true, no matter what my opinion is on them. And the fact that I have to defend that statement is ridiculous. But you do. Because truth is one of these casualties. That's what these writers are talking about, truth decay. So rise of social media, other changes in the information environment. Demands on the educational system that limit its ability to keep up with the changes in the information ecosystem is another driver of truth decay. And then, of course, political and social polarization, which I was kind of alluding to. All these things create an environment where we're not even sure how we feel about truth. And that's where the Word of God is so powerful because what Peter said is, You know the truth that you have. See, we told you what we actually saw, and you have the divine, prophetic scriptures that are truth. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The word is divinely powerful because the word is divinely true. The word is divinely powerful because the word is divinely true. It is true on so many levels It is true in ways that we might not even yet see and understand, but as we grow, as we understand, we see more and more because it is from the Father. Jesus said in John 17, 17, he's praying to his Father, he's praying for his followers, and he says, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. You know what that means? Set them apart with this truth, in the truth. Set them apart. So they are people of the truth. They're walking in the truth. The reality that you are God, you spoke the world into being, you exist, Father, sanctify them. Set them apart so that they are walking and living in truth. And then he says, lest there be any confusion, Father, your word is truth. Your word is truth. See, that's why the word is so powerful. 
and transformative. That's why it changes lives. That's why it unlocks the path that God has for us, the things in our life that we're supposed to experience, the destiny that he created us for. The word is powerful. This morning I want to suggest the word is divinely true because it is authoritative, it is accurate, and it has stood the test of time. It is authoritative, it is accurate, and it has stood the test of time. Let's look at those three things real quickly. See, because the word is true, it is authoritative. Because the word is true, it is authoritative. Bottom line, it comes from the Father. It comes from the ultimate author or authority. Remember what Peter said, verse 20 and 21? Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is powerful and it is authoritative because it comes from our Creator, it comes from our Savior, it comes from our Father. That's the Word. And what that means now, and this is the part that we struggle with, it is binding on us as followers of Jesus. You want to know how we follow Jesus? We follow His Word. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called The Word, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find that Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.